And you know what? That's what God wants to do here. He wants to build this into a family so that those who come into this atmosphere, they're like a place to call home, a place to receive the love of Jesus. Well, my name is Chad, and I'm um, one of the pastors here, and it's just an honor to welcome you. I'm just so aware as every time I drive to the building and leave the building, you could be doing a lot of things right now. So turn to your neighbor and say, it's pretty cool you chose to be here. <laughs> um, it's just true, you know? And so I, I, I really want to make it worth your time. And so I planned a, a, a word this morning to help hopefully encourage us. Did you know that this thing really is pretty simple? Love God, love people. Shake your head at me if, if you know, uh, it's pretty, yeah. you know, there's all kinds of nuances and I could, we could write books about those two little things, but did you know that at the end of the day, one of the central reasons we gather, everyone say gather, one of the reasons we gather together after being scattered throughout our week and workplace and neighborhood and your place of the world, we gather to encourage each other towards love, everyone say love, and good deeds. Hebrews chapter 10 tells us the reason why the scattered community is supposed to continually gather around Jesus together is because we are constantly in need of being encouraged to receive love and give love and then to participate in God's kingdom by doing good deeds, by doing good work. Amen? And so every week, my hope and prayer for you as I think of you all throughout the week in this time together is that you would experience and encounter love that changes you from the inside out. That you would experience it in the spirit by the worship time and the fellowship time and even eating a donut that God would just bop you upside the head and tell you he loves you. And then the Holy Spirit convicts you to get up, get off your butt tomorrow and to run the treadmill. But anyway, I just said that in church. I'm sorry, but anyhow... Um, but that you'd be tangibly encouraged to love and follow Jesus. Well, I just have to share a little bit of a testimony. If, is that okay? Six of you. Those of you who think it's okay, I'm fine. So earlier this week on Thursday, um, the Lord's really been, he's been stirring things in my heart. Has anyone been in a season where God is just stirring things up? Raise your hand. Where there is just an area of breakthrough. That's why I keep writing about it on our bulletin. I'm just writing what I'm going through and hoping that maybe someone's going through the same thing. But where you've wrestled and you knew that there was more. Again, let me see those hands. You knew there was more. Something in your, there was more. God had more. At your workplace, in a relationship, in your finances, in the scriptures, in the spirit, whatever it is. So one of the things God has been really stirring in me, the more, the hunger, is I want to see people far from God encounter the gospel and be transformed. I love preaching to people who have already experienced that, but my God has been agitating my spirit to increasingly see people far from God be brought near to God through the blood of Jesus and the power of the cross and to be transformed. I love when people who've known about Jesus experience more of his love, and I, I, my heart is to do that every week. But the Lord has been agitating and stirring a hunger. Chad, I want you to enter into the destiny for your life and for your church to be a place where not just church people get here about what's going on, but the lost begin to be found in the grace of Jesus. 
So I found out about this guy called Kevin. He's 34, he barely even has a bachelor's education. He was an ex-drug addict. He has three kids just like me. He's pastored four churches in six years. His average tenure has been 18 months. But every church he has gone to pastor has either doubled or tripled and planted 15 churches. I heard about this guy and I'm like, I wanna go hang out with him. Come on, how many know when you want to go to the next level, you got to find someone running at that level so you can go learn from them? And so I got his phone number from a friend, and he didn't know me from Adam. I'm just Chad. He's Kevin, the one everyone knows, because it just, this church tripled, doubled, 15 church plants, and he's a crazy man. And I know in my heart as I was driving, it was Murrieta, so I woke up at 12.30 a.m. because I was so excited I couldn't sleep. It was worthless. I knew I should have left the night before, but anyway... Say, Chad, anytime you got to get up to three to drive somewhere, just leave the night before. You guys have to hold me accountable. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So I, I get up. I'm like, okay, if I leave at 12, I'll be there like at 4.30. Now, what am I going to do? No place will even be open. So I just lay in bed, kind of, you know, like two. So I leave at 2, praise God, <laughs> or 2.15. And the Holy, I'm just... We will not break through barriers unless we're willing to go. And so I knew I, ha I had to go. I didn't know what, that, what was there for me in Marietta. I didn't know what was for me on that four and a half hour drive down and the four and a half hour back, but I knew I am not satisfied with where I'm at. And did you know that many of us settle with that place of being just unsatisfied and we think that's all there is? I'm here to tell you the good news today, that there is more for you today. What, whatever that fill in the blank is, vocate, whatever it is, that there is more for you in Jesus. So anyway, I'm driving down there and I'm, I knew this guy carried just a huge heart for winning people to Jesus. So I start watching YouTubes on my little, you know, magnetic thing for my phone. So I'm stirring my spirit for four hours. I'm watching this teaching and then I get into worship and I'm just worshiping partly to stay awake, partly because I'm just... Come on, how many know God loves when we stir our spirit in expectancy to receive? Listen, this whole lie of just it's all the grace and just passivity, I'm telling you, God loves to be pursued. He loves to be longed for. We don't do it to get something from it. But how many know the psalmist says, you know, we sang about it earlier, as deep cries to deep, the psalms are filled with the worshiper approaching God, seeking that thirst, that hunger, that longing for more of God. Many of us stay stuck because we never get into that place of stirring our affections for the one whose affections are already poured out on us. Anyway, so I'm worshiping, you know, nodding off, trying to stay awake, you know, and I get there and I'm like four hours early, so I put a ton of pressure on him to hang out with me more than he wanted to. <laughs> Whatever. And we hang out and I was just so struck by how absolutely ordinary he was. At the same time, I'm so happy because he was just ordinary. I'm thankful for that because it's not tied to someone's ingenuity or talent or ability. And so I'm just hanging out with him and I, I'm like, dude, I'm not inconveniencing you one thing. I will go to every meeting you have if you just let me sit. I want to just be with you all day. So I'm with him and of course he has like two meetings with board members and I'm like, oh, that could be bad. I don't know. Our board's amazing. But 
I just sit with him as he goes through meeting after meeting, and then I sit with him, and he introduces me to his whole staff. We walk around his property. I'm like, dude, I don't really care about your property. That's not why I came down here. But anyway, so we hang out all day. And yeah, I learned some practical tools, and I'll share those at a later date. And so the day crescendoed with a shared lunch, and we're sharing a meal, and, and he kind of looks at me, and he's like, you know when someone like looks at you and then looks into you? Has anyone ever had someone do that in your life? Like, and he said, every move of God always starts with one person. He said, it's just about, it's, it's when, 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 when people see one person come into the kingdom, it sets a fire in the church. Number one. And then number two, he said, when you're in the middle of a move of God, like he's seen big moves of God, thousands, heroin, I mean, just crazy stories. And he's not because of his talent. It's because it's neat anyway. He said, when you're in the middle of a move of God like he's experienced in all of his pastoral tenures, it doesn't feel like you're in the middle of a move of God. It feels like a lot of work, a lot of pain, laying down your life, dying to yourself, and living for the king. And he said, they won't write about that in big church growth books. You won't hear that about in conferences. But Chad, I'm telling you, when you're in the middle of a move of God, you're laying down your life so that God can come and have his way. And I tell you, as soon as he said it, I said, that was worth my nine-hour round trip. Because I read so much. I read about revival. I read about church this. I read about discipleship and evangelism and mission. I read about how to bleed, blah, blue, blue. And there's something that in my imagination I think it's going to look like and feel like and something else. And I look at our church and we've grown and then plateaued and then grown. And I think it's just going to be this pie in the sky God just zap us. And him speaking out of experience and wisdom, Chad, to experience a move, you've got to lay down your life so that i got something to move on. And I'm like, well, thanks a lot. Thanks for that. I'm out of here. And he said, but Chad, every, every church, every place I've gone, it started with one person coming to Jesus and then another person coming to Jesus. And I was so stunned that every church, he doesn't set church growth goals, and there's nothing wrong with saying, oh, I hope our church is 400 by the end of the year. He says, we set people coming to Jesus goals. How many know that's different? If we're honest in America, and I'm, the, I'm in a very good mood, I'm very happy today, very happy. But most of our growth is from church transfer. All, all over America, all over, and that's okay. People who mentor me say it's okay, it's inevitable. When there's changes, people change. Everyone nod your head at me. But what I was struck by, Pastor Kevin, he says, our goals are always tied to mission. And because they're tied to mission, they're immediately in a different category that we know we can't get there apart from the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> because I, how many know you and I can't convert anybody? Turn to your neighbor and say, you can convict them. You can love them. You can serve them. You can learn, man, you can learn a bunch of Bible verses like I know, and you can have all these strategies. And net, But how many know it is the Holy Spirit who convicts, John 16, 8, of sin, righteousness, and judgment? It is the Holy Spirit who produces that, uh, 2 Corinthians 7.10, that godly sorrow that leads to repentance and receiving the goodness and refreshing of Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit who reveals to the foolish heart, Psalm 14.1, who has been living like there is no God, to reveal God to the human spirit so that new life, Titus 3, 5 through 7, comes forth in the power of God. 
At every level, it's all dependent upon the Holy Spirit, but do you care to know the one little part that we play? How will they know unless someone goes? How will they go unless someone declares? How will they believe unless they tell them that Jesus is Lord and he's inviting them into forgiveness and into freedom and into wholeness? So 99.999% of it is dependent upon God. The 0.00000001% of it is he sends us to go and to show and share. So anyway, I'm driving home, and I'm like, thank you, Pastor Kevin. I wrote notes, and you know, he gave me some little tools. And, and actually, I actually lied. He didn't give me any tools, which is what I was, it was so refreshing. He's like, Chad, I don't have five Ps for breakthrough or seven T's. And how many know, if you know me close, I am that guy. I'm like, I got seven C's for growing the church, 18 I's for Q's, and, and he's not that guy, and it ticks me off, but it was okay. Because he said, it's, there's no gimmicks. He told me on the phone before I wasted my drive, you're not coming down here. I don't have any little, just say this, and if you just kind of bend over on your head. And... So I'm driving home. And back on YouTube, still stirring my spirit on this thing about reaching people for Jesus. I'm just totally, it's just amazing. There was grace on the whole trip, on the whole trip. And I get home, and, you know, immediately, you know, by this time, if you've been up since midnight the night before, how many, yeah, okay, a little tired. <sighs> Anyone been there? We've been there. And I go outside to my front yard, and I regularly prayer walk. I actually prayer run. I'm weird. My wife can't think two thoughts and run, but I, that is my sacred time. That's why I love running at least three or four times a week. After I do my devotions, I go out and I work it out with Jesus. And we talk and I listen. So I regularly prayer walk and prayer run around my neighborhood. And the Holy Spirit has been telling me to do something in my neighborhood. I'm not putting that on you. I'm putting that on me. He's been saying to me for months, for years, chatting, when are you going to take a little step? and engage tangibly your neighbors. So I'm outside and all the kids are running around the street and playing and my neighbor comes out, who I love and who's opened up to me about some things in his life I will not name or mention. Remember, I just got done doing a like a 14 hour day on how to reach people for Jesus. I didn't go seeking it out. And I come outside and he starts weeping. He does. I'm like, this is really weird. Hmm. Weeping. I'm just, I want to be a dad. I want to be a good husband. I'm like, Jesus, really? The night I spend a whole day wanting to grow and reaching my neighbors, and this thing just opens up and falls right here. Anyway, through the tears, he starts confessing some things, and I'm not preaching this message at him. He's just like, I said, dude, Jesus wants to forgive you right now. He wants to break into your life. He wants he wants to give you a new start. He wants, and so I'm like, let's just pray right here on the front porch, you know. All the kids are playing. It's the most awkward timing, but it's like heaven's invading. Jesus, thank you for your forgiveness. And I'm like, dude, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bug you every morning. We're going to do devotions. I'm going to come over. I'm like, okay. I'm like, we'll do it tomorrow. I'm like, no, not tomorrow. Let's do it today. So I go grab my Bible from my 
car and I say, go grab your Bible. He has to go find a Bible, you know, somewhere under there. And, and we read the promises of 1 John that when we walk in the light as he is in the light, he forgives us and he washes us. And, and that even if we sin, we've got a defender, one who stands in our place, Jesus, who says, I know they're weak, Father, but let's keep forgiving them because they're knuckleheads and they're trying to figure out how to live a new life in my grace. And we're reading these little passages and we pray. And the coolest part was my other neighbor, Saul, who loves Jesus, he got to be there the whole time. So there's three-corded strand is happening. And I kind of get inside after the night unfolds and I'm like, God, you are so funny. I've lived in this neighborhood for like four years, but on the day I get up at 2 a.m. because I'm hungry to grow in an area that I know I'm meant to walk in, and so is all of my church, to be the most winsome people who are amazing at showing and sharing Jesus so that thousands can know his grace. I'm like, God, I know this is the inheritance. I know this is the destiny over my life and the life of those I leave. And so on that day, this thing just opens up and it was, here's what's so awesome. Just like Kevin's an ordinary guy who's gotten to see extraordinary fruit in the kingdom, so that conversation was the most ordinary conversation. There were no eyes rolling back in the back of my head, no blah, 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 blah. It was a reading what's happening, responding to the Spirit, and giving people Jesus. There was no, there was no gimmicks. There was no pull out the rug, or it was loving someone tangibly, and when someone's opening up about the brokenness of their life, the greatest love we can give them is to say, there's one named Jesus who can put you back together. There's no, there's no big gimmick, there's no big presentation, there's no, there's a being present and responding, and so that sort of, it sort of was like a good day. <laughs> I'm not even going to get to preach because it's already 11. I, it's, I have a, such a good message on a, the, Acts, Ephesians 4. But beloved, I just, this is the message. You know, so I got back and I just kept hearing Kevin saying, Chad, it just, it, it always, always, always only just starts with one. And when you think of one, don't think one like professional pastor. Think one person finding Jesus, experiencing his love. He said, I just hear it. I just, I can't shake it now. On my prayer runs and my devotions, it just starts with one. It starts with one. And did you know what? When, when that happened, that next day when we took Mackenzie to school for her last day of school, school looked different. Come on, how many know when you're looking for one, everything looks different around you? When you're looking at a city that's in rambles that all of them need to get saved, how many of you know it looks blurry? But if you're looking for one, it's crystal clear. Come on, shake your head at me. When you think about, oh God, there's so many people. My own life is a mess. How am I supposed to share Jesus with the thousands, millions? You're not. How about you? we just think and pray and believe for one, one person? And it was so funny because already that next day, you know, after getting to pray with my neighbor and then pumping him with hope and life and then now sending him scriptures every day, and we get to talk, and, and how many know it's a little awkward when you revisit it, because I was like a sort of, I'm just being totally transparent. Is that okay this morning? It's like a little bit awkward then, you know, after you have this blubber mess, and you know, when the Spirit's moving, and then when it's just ordinary, come on, how many know we live in the ordinary, typically, that you have to fight through the awkwardness. I'm just being transparent, like where you go, hey, that was a cool night, huh? Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. I'm just being totally real. I want you to know how normal it is to just try to love people in Jesus. It's not, you don't read it in a book. You can read about it in a book, but it's just real life. 
How many know that's why we need the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is our companion. The Greek word for paraclete, it's like in a battle, the paraclete was the one who had your back with the sword and the shield so that if you couldn't see what's coming, someone does. And Jesus said, I'm gonna send one in the exact likeness of what I walked in. He's gonna be in you so that my purposes don't leave with me when I ascend to the right hand of the Father. But now through the Spirit, my purposes explode on the earth. That's good preaching. You know, so it's awkward. I'm just totally being real. Hey, man. About that time last night when you kind of prayed and Jesus forgave you. But how many know breakthrough comes when we break through awkwardness and we just show up and we love anyway? And so we've got to talk and the next morning it was like, hey, meet me outside by the trash can, you know? (laughs) This is not going on the internet in case he actually listens to this. I'm just totally being real with you. But we prayed together and we talked and he's kind of like, you know, in the night. And then that night it was a little, you know, But heaven rejoiced because a sinner repented. So, beloved, I just know it. I, I'm telling you, there are people. This, there are people all around us waiting to be loved and to find out they don't have to stay stuck in their shame. Did you know that most people live in shame? Did you know that? Even if we just picked one sin out that produces the most shame, pornography or lust. 75 plus percent of men look at pornography regularly. Don't do the math. That is the number one shame producing sin. I would know I was on the stuff until 16, 16 years, when I was 16 years old. Got exposed way too young. Unbelievable tragedy like probably most men and or women experiencing that shame filled sin. But did you know even if we just pick that one, the majority of the population lives under that guilt and shame. And did you know that the world, these people are just longing to know that the shame doesn't have to be what identifies them any longer, but that God and Christ can forgive them and give them a new hope and a future. Even if we just picked on one sin, I mean, there's a billion, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, there's a whole lot. But how many know that in Christ there's no condemnation, there's no shame? How many know that you can spend 50 years making a mess of your life, but when you surrender to the grace of Jesus, you get a new life, a new one, brand new. Like, you can make your whole life a mess. And in one moment of surrender, when you realize you need mercy, you deserve judgment, but you cry out for mercy. He doesn't say, well, I'll give him 50 more years to figure out. He says, I'll forgive you. I will wash you. I'll make you clean. The old things are gone. Behold, everything is new. Beloved, this is the message. Listen, here's the problem. If I'm just type, sort of focused on promoting a message or an agenda like evangelism or mission, I'll get burnt out. But if it's, about, if it's about releasing a person that they can know and experience freedom and then walk with the rest of their life, it's a different paradigm. And it's not even, hey, pray this prayer so you can get out of hell. How many know it's hell all the way along the road to hell? Come on, somebody. How many have called the shots of your life and made a mess of your life? So our motivation is not just prayer, prayer, so you can get out of some place someday that you see, but how about you get into what life is all about, the one who created it, John 1, 4, the one who is your very life, 1 Timothy chapter 6, the life that is truly life, Jesus Christ. 
So anyway, so I'm excited. One of the things that I got really fired up by, and this sounds super gnarly, sorry, but in Kevin's office, he just has a whiteboard. He's hardly ever in his office. He spends his days doing three things, spending time with pre-believers. I like that. It sounds better than lost. Because how many know nobody's lost from heaven's perspective? God knows exactly where to locate people. Come on. Come on. They're not lost from his perspective. They're lost because they're in the blinders of sin and their shame and their prison that they created and that they came in blah, 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 blah. But how many know there ain't no lost person from heaven's perspective? The Holy Spirit knows how to locate every person on the planet. He says, I do three things every day. I spend time with pre-believers. I love that, pre-believers. Number two, I spend time with new believers. And then I spend time trying to motivate, third, third category, with believers who need to remember the mission that God's called them to. Is that what I do every day? I was like, huh. So you don't like go do 8,000 things and knock on 500,000 doors? He goes, no. No. I look for one person to love. <laughs> and I realize that the, the greatest thing I can do is serve them and love them and then when they start opening up about their life as the Spirit leads to say, there's one who can put your life back together. I was like, huh. Fist bump, later dude, four and a half hour drive. <laughs> Come on, who wants to grow in this? Who wants to grow in this? What's so funny, the very next day, it was Friday, and I didn't just push my Benjamin in the single bob stroller, I pushed Caleb and Benjamin and I didn't feel like I added any weights because I was happy. And I'm telling you, I was running. What's so funny is this. Here's what I realized. Here's what I realized. That whole next prayer morning, I mean, I'm like, I always sort of cry out while I pray and run. I just love running and I can talk to Jesus. But that one, there was an anointing for intercession. I was like, Lord, Jesus. Because I got to meet two people at Kinney's school that I wrote on my note that they're the next ones we're inviting for dinner. I just started crying out for their names, like, God, only you can stir a hunger, only you. Because how many know, here's what I discovered, and I'm, I close with this. I gave you enough Bible verses, I can give you more, but it's okay. Here's what I discovered. When we make small groups the primary objective, or when we make growing this kind of ministry or that kind of ministry, like eventually, you know, the curriculum wears off and the season ends and but here's what I discovered. If, if, if showing and sharing Jesus, if the mission of our church is to see as many people rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the light, it sort of makes us do all of the other things. Here's what I mean. When, as I, God showed me this on the nine-hour drive. Okay, When people are coming into the kingdom, immediately you've got new people born who have no idea how to live out of their new identity in Jesus. So you know what that means? They need a community, a small group, to gather around them and disciple them. You know what happens when those new little infants get born into the kingdom? They need spiritual parents who are willing to walk alongside them and mentor them. Do you know what, what happens when new believers come into the kingdom? Sometimes when they get baptized and forgiven, there's still a whole journey and there's strongholds sometimes left in their life. And so you know what you start doing? You start praying and fasting like you've never done because you know only a deeper work of the spirit can help them dislodge from that funkiness. So you pray more, you fast more, your communities are, have to be formed because you have to take care of infants. And the Lord started showing me 
Like, and I love doing all of it. We've launched groups. We're, we're never we're going to beef up way more prayer. We're praying all the time. We, we want to do classes and teaching. And trust me, I have all of that in my heart. But here's what we have. What I haven't done, not you, what I haven't, is continue to put before us that, guys, we exist. The church exists. The body exists to bear witness to the world of the glory of Jesus Christ. We exist to see those far from God experience his life-transforming grace and mercy. And I just, man, as I was driving home in closing, I was thinking, man, when my vision of Jesus, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not, help me, perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. When I look to Jesus, how many know our mission is to look to Jesus? Our mission is to abide in, to follow, to obey, and to love Jesus. That's your mission. Turn to your neighbor and say, my mission is to be one with Jesus. Turn to him. Tell him. to be one with Jesus. So you do not hear me Don't hear anything else I say, but hear this. Your mission, if you're in Christ, is to stay in Christ and to walk in Christ, to be one with Jesus. Friends, fellowship, abide, worship, love. Now your co-mission, everyone say co-mission. So you're partnering with the one you're abiding in. Your co-mission is to go announce his goodness to the world. Our co-mission, out of we live out of this place of relationship with Jesus, because how many of you know, we don't leave Jesus in the secret place when we go out about our day in our workplace, neighborhoods, network, and world. How many know he comes with us? Come on, someone say, he comes with me. And our co-mission is that what we've seen in Jesus and experienced of his love in his word, by his spirit, in the place of prayer, in the place of community and fellowship and using our gifts and all of the other dynamics that are a part of belonging to Jesus and his family. Out of that, our co-mission is to show and share the love we've received, the grace we've been given, the mercy that we are recipients of. And we simply say, there's more in the well for you to draw from. <laughs> There's more. I was a knucklehead and a hard case, but did you know he did not waste all of his reserves of grace on me? There's more for you. <laughs> There's more for you. So, amen. So, this isn't like... Um, I read this book. I'm just going to read you the quote. I'm not looking at the score because there's no games on right now. This has been one of the most life-giving quotes, and it's only 11.17, and I'm done. It's phenomenal. When my oldest daughter was a toddler, she loved helium balloons. Picture it. So for her third birthday... I blew up 50 balloons with my breath. It was not an easy feat. Do you think she appreciated the 50 balloons that I blew up for her? She walked right into the party, picked one balloon up, and said, Daddy, what's wrong with your balloons? They don't float like the ones at the fair. Come on, somebody have a three-year-old. Come on, someone say amen. I tried to explain to her that my balloons were better than the helium balloons because you got to play games like see who can keep the balloons off the ground. 
Come on, no one's played that game with your kids or grandkids. You keep. She wanted balloons that floated and thought my balloons were lame. If a balloon is filled with your breath, the only way to keep it afloat is by smacking it upward every few seconds. Come on, somebody say amen. The moment you stop smacking it up, however, it falls to the ground. For many people, this is similar to how their pastors try to get them engaged in mission. Each week, he yells something like, be generous. So that week, they put their lunch money in the offering. The next week, he says, witness to your friends. Then they spend the week awkwardly trying to find a way to work the spiritual laws into their conversation at work. I'm being transparent, so get over it. The next week, he says, volunteer at the church. We need you to serve. And they sign up for a few weeks, and they sign up for the nursery. Each time, he smacks them, and they hover for a few seconds in the air of obedience, only to fall down into the lethargy of convenience. I didn't say it. This guy did. Next week, they keep their money and their service because at the nursery, they experienced the diaper blowout. That's so funny. Come on, I love it. And I quote, fill a balloon with helium, however, it soars on its own. No smacking required. Fill a heart with a passion for the lost, it develops the skill of sending the church. No shoutings required. What keeps us from proficiency in sending is not a lack of our competency, but a lack of conviction. It's not a scarcity of skill, but a lack of passion. The French poet Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, he's probably dead, I don't know what his name is. If you want to convince men to build ships, Don't pass out shipbuilding manuals. Don't organize them into labor groups and hand out wood. Teach them to yearn for the vast and endless sea. I'm very aware because I've followed Jesus hardcore for 18 years. By that I mean, I mean, I've been pursuing him for 18 years. And I know the trajectory of my heart has gone like this. But I know that there is a place in God where he can fill us with the helium of his Holy Spirit where we're gripped with a holy fire and passion to see what has happened in us through the gospel happen in those around us. If you agree, say amen. Amen. So we get, we grow in this desire, not by getting smacked, but by looking to Jesus, the one who came to seek and save the lost. Right? The one who leaves the 99 to go find the One, the one who searches the house because he lost one coin to find the other until his collection of ten is complete. And the father sits on the porch waiting for his rebellious son to run back so he can meet him and wrap his arms around him. We fall in love for the lost by falling deeper in love for the one who came to save them. Not the other way around. To do the other way around, it's filling the balloon with your own air. You get beat up, you get tired, it's awkward. But you keep pressing into that place saying, God, who is the one I meant to show and share Jesus to today? Your eyes will not be blurry with the overwhelming needs around you, but the Holy Spirit will give you clarity of vision and sight to see the one you're meant to love today. Does that feel doable? Does that feel life-giving and hopeful? If you wanna go to this next level this summer, 
There's so many opportunities around us to show and share Jesus. We're gonna train you this summer. We're gonna do little one-offs and how to grow in confidence. It's very important. But if you just say, Chatty, you know what? I just wanna present myself like we prayed earlier. I wanna receive a fresh passion for Jesus and then let his passion to renew and redeem the world to begin to seize my heart. If that's you and you want a fresh, just renewal of heart, could you stand where you're at? I don't take notes and I'm not gonna bop you over the head, but you say, Chatty, this is me this morning. I, I wanna grow in this. I wanna grow in this. It's awesome. It's so good, you guys. Just put your hand on your heart like this. Just. And the first question, the first order of business is, do you know Jesus, right? It's hard to make something known you never know in yourself. <laughs> and so maybe just say, Jesus, I just, I offer again my life. I receive your mercy and your love and your grace. I'm not just interested in a one little prayer. I want a lifestyle of following you, of loving you, of worshiping and obeying you, Jesus. And today, Lord, even as I was a recipient of someone else's grace, I've received that grace and it's changed my walk. So Lord, I pay it forward in the spirit. Lord, that which I've received from a fellow brother way down in Marietta, I ask that you'd release over our church today a hunger and a desperation to see those far from God be found in the love of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would burn, that you would fill us with helium, that Lord, you, it wouldn't just be a one little thing we do. Our whole life would be waking up, God, who is the one that like you've loved me, I can love in your name. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would baptize our church with a fiery desire to see those bound in chains and in darkness, rescued by the gospel and established in the kingdom of Jesus. Father, I pray you would fill us with a fiery passion to see those, God, who are in prisons of sin and shame to be set free and made sons and daughters. God, I'm praying that you would put a spirit of revival in our hearts, that, God, we would be the most generous, outward-oriented, focused people because of all that you've done in us. How could we not but say he could do it in you too? God, I pray you would give us a revelation of grace and mercy that we've received so we don't live as tributaries or lakes, but as rivers that gush forth with mercy and grace to a desperate and desolate world, longing to know if all there is is their sin and their shame. Lord, I'm asking in the mighty name of Jesus that you would move, that God, our church would be set on fire, not so that the church grows for church growth's sake, but that the kingdom advances, that the lost are saved, sinners are found, the found begin to follow Jesus, followers of Jesus get raised up to be leaders and spiritual parents, and that cycle continues until you split the eastern sky and you receive an inheritance. Billions of people who've repented and put their faith in you, Jesus. We thank you that a billion starts with one. And so God, start a move in us today, we pray. If you receive it, say amen and amen.